Hi, I'm Dave Westbrook, and you're listening to Billboard Insider Podcast, where I interview industry leaders about trends impacting the U.S. out-of-home advertising business. This podcast is sponsored by Adomni. Adomni, increase your revenue today by listing your digital billboard on Adomni. Today's podcast guest is Jesse London, CEO of Tier One Media. Tier One just entered the out-of-home business earlier this month by buying five out-of-home companies in the Southeast United States. Welcome to the show, Jesse. Thank you, Dave. Pleased to be here. Now, Jesse, you are not new to the out-of-home business. You've got a long pedigree. What made you decide to become an out-of-home entrepreneur? Dave, thanks for asking. I always wanted to be in business for myself. Mm -hmm. I think I have a good work ethic. I love outdoor. I've always seen the potential. And with all the experience I had at Clear Channel and out front and even before that at CBS Outdoor, I worked with a lot of great people. Mm -hmm. I worked with good leaders. And, mm -hmm. you know, I really have picked up over the years some best practices. Mm -hmm. And what I'm trying to do is take the best of all of it and put it to work. I think that my work ethic is good. And if I can work harder and make more for myself and have more control over the business, all that much better. I've reached the point where I really want to have more say in my destiny and not be, you know, at the whim of a corporate direction. Now, what criteria did you apply in your search for out-of-home assets? It was a, a long process. We wanted to go about it, or I wanted to go about it in a methodical way. And for starters, the idea was to look for businesses or plants that were just well-run so that they had a, already a good local brand. There were good client relationships. There were good advertisers, nice structures, just a good business and one that was you know, let's just say it had a goodwill locally. Mm -hmm. And I've been fortunate to, to have found those. Then the idea was to get them at a favorable multiple. You know, I was never in the mood to pay too much for a business. I, I've been very keen on the multiples. We try to keep it on the lower side, but recognize that, you know, good assets don't go in the sevens. So you have to be very judicious and really find businesses that were that were priced right. But most important, I think, was the opportunity to grow. Hmm. I can't envision building a business and saying, okay, I'm going to do this much better based on rate and occupancy. There really had to be opportunity for development or conversion. And the businesses that we bought all had that. Hmm. So they weren't maxed out. There was plenty of conversion. There was plenty of development opportunity. And, and that's really critical to our business because we raised not only the money to buy the existing assets, but we raised enough money to, to build. And so in a lot of cases, we bought conversion permits. In a lot of cases, we bought new leases. So a big part of what we're going to be doing is uh, developing new operations. And am I right? K2, Mashburn, Spy, and most of these, Florida, Georgia, talk a little about the geographic mix of what you were doing. Yeah. So the other thing I was going to mention is that we bought in really good, stable markets. Mm -hmm. And and that was also very important. So, for instance, the Florida operation, which is K2, which is Pensacola and the Emerald Coast, Fort Walton, and, and the area around here in Destin, for instance, this area has, first of all, fantastic tourism. And we're not talking about get on a plane and fly here. This is all local tourism. 
it's just a better bet right now, right? Because we just have no idea what air travel is going to look like. Mm-hmm. Solid tourism business here that really did not miss a beat this summer. There is an amazing military presence here. There's a number of Air Force and military bases around the area, which just brings a level of stability to the market. The area is very busy. It is only growing. Every time I get in a car and if I drive 15 minutes, I see new development. I see cranes in the air. Hmm. And I think that that's a good sign. I think the Southeast in general and the, and the South are really robust. Mm-hmm. Montgomery, we bought Mashburn Outdoor in our, their Montgomery business, which was not only well run, but Montgomery is, you know, very surprising, extremely jumping, great thriving economy, tremendous local retail, high-end housing, country clubs, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And it's also, you know, being that it's the state capital, there just seems to be a big buzz and a lot of, a lot of business, a lot of activity around there. Mm-hmm. The third market, Mobile, also in the south, we bought basically a lot of development there. The business is healthy. The, the market looks healthy. There's a lot of activity. And, you know, our sense of it is that in that market, there was just a, a lot of opportunity for, for building. You know, I, I come from New York. I, I mean, there's no such thing as spacing that allows for more permits. Mm-hmm. It, it, here, it's more spread out here. And so we were really able to to get our hands on some great locations. And, and Mobile is a good example of that because we, we really bought some incredible sites for, for development that we're really most excited about. Most important, Dave. I mean, mm-hmm. the, let me give you the, the most important component of all of this is I wanted to live on the beach. So Pensacola <laughs> was perfect. <laughs> I mean, there you let, go. let's establish some priorities. <laughs> you mean you weren't, you weren't looking at the Upper Peninsula of Michigan <laughs> in no, its cold I, winters? <laughs> I, 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 I've spent enough winters uh, in, yeah. in cold climate. Yeah. You know, the, the, the big part of the plan was, was to be able to live beachfront. And uh, yep. that was that was... That was mission number one. <laughs> Did COVID have an impact on your asset search? You know, initially, first of all, let me say, we, we built this deal. We found this deal. We assembled all these pieces really before, before we knew what COVID was. I mean, this, this has been in the works for quite some time. When COVID came, there was a lot of concern. We saw the national business fall off right away. The good news is that the inventory we bought is really local. So our hope was that that the the local business wouldn't get banged up. And that was our hope. And and it turns out that it was true. We did drag our feet a little bit. This deal probably should have closed two months ago, but there was a lot of let's just make sure. Let's keep an eye on it. Let's make sure that the business is rebounding the way we said it would. And um, I'm pleased to report that as it relates to Mashburn and K2 and all of those other assets that we bought, their year-over-year numbers this year are better than their year-over-year numbers of of last year. That's terrific, Jesse. Yeah. That really made this easy. And I think that follows up with, if you're in outside of an urban market and you're not place-based, You've kind of been through the worst of the downturn, and your revenue's growing again. Yeah. I mean, we these guys were good. They paused a lot of advertisers in April and May. So we did see the dip in April and May, 
But June started to come back, but July through September, the numbers have been phenomenal. The, the business was definitely there. And the bigger markets, right, New York, L.A., Chicago, Miami, not so much because of their reliance on national. Dave, I, I've always been a believer that if you're a local business and you want market coverage, there's only one way to get it, and that's with outdoor. There's too much fractionalization on the web. There's too many, you know, past impressions on television. There's one way to sell tickets, to sell legal help, to sell real estate in a market, and that's with outdoor. And, and here in these markets that we bought, it's really self-evident in, in, in the revenue figures. Let's take a break here for a word from our sponsor. Adomni's buying platform enables advertisers and agencies to easily find and buy your unsold billboard space. With Audience IQ technology, advertisers can target consumer profiles, such as demographics, behavior, and interest that travel past your billboards. Join the fastest growing out-of-home network alongside over 200,000 digital screens. Whether you have a Formetco, Watchfire, Dectronics, or PrismView billboard, Adomni is easy to connect. Visit adomni.com or email sales at adomni.com to learn more. Out of home, in your hands. Now, Jesse, you found your assets. Then you you put together a, and, and this was a large, if, correct me if I'm wrong, but well, this was a large seven-figure deal. You put together your equity and debt, your equity with Direct Tech, Ken Anderson's equity group, and your bank debt was Metro Phoenix Bank. How the heck did you find your equity and debt? Yeah, great question. I've had this vision. I wanted to get into this business. I started to assemble the assets, and and there reached some point where, you know, you had to start thinking about the debt. In Metro Phoenix Bank is the bank in our space. They're well-known. Basically, I just reached out and introduced myself to the bank. I spent some time with them. I worked with my banker on the phone. I worked with Rico at Metro Phoenix Bank for... Boy, you know, a couple of months we would speak and I would bring him ideas and and he would help me think about the financial side of the deal. And he sort of a couple of times gave me some direction where to go with some decisions. And then I was very lucky. He came in with um, with the president of the bank and we had lunch in Times Square. They were looking at something in Times Square. So I was able to really spend a couple hours with these guys. And just over time, I developed a good relationship with them. It was one of those things where we worked so well together for so long and, and all, everything I was building met what they were looking for that when the time came to ask for the loan, it was sort of a quick meeting. Everything had been, had been set in motion before we got in front of the loan committee. So, you know, I just had a good working relationship with the bank. The bank encouraged me. I brought them small deals and good bank that they are. They pushed me to go bigger and bigger and bigger. They are the, they are the reason I went bigger. Mm-hmm. And at one point, I looked at the money I was putting in and the money they were going to lend me, and I called, I called Rico, and I go, wait a minute. I'm coming <laughs> up short. I need, I, I'm way short here. I need more money. And yeah. he goes, well, yeah, that's when you, you got to find an equity partner. Mm-hmm. And I really had no idea how to find an equity partner, and he suggested Ken. Mm-hmm. I guess Ken was looking for an operator. Mm-hmm. And boy, I really hit it off with Ken on the first call. We had a romance that was, you know, we'd spend an hour a day, every day, going through the plans, going through the nits and the nats, looking at the detail. And he was and is, uh, and his group are 
great partners. They are, they're terrific. Mm -hmm. They were easy to work with and they really complement the areas that I'm weak in. In other words, I I know how to run billboards. Mm -hmm. I know how to build billboards. I know how to sell ads on billboards, but I was a little weak when it comes to putting together financial statements and, and the various accounting discipline that the bank was looking for. And that's where these guys come in. And so we really work well together and we, we, we cover everything between us. The other thing about direct tech is that I share their vision for the digital future. I have a big background in, in place-based digital out of home, right? I mean, I ran, I was the first one to sell ads and screen vision. I built the blockbuster network. I had GameStop. Uh, I've done retail at Foot Locker. So, so I sort of believe in that business. Um, these guys are reinventing that business. So I think that we're going to have a future there. And I think that once we have good billing and a good foundation with our, with our big format, we can start to develop some small format around it and really offer local advertisers that much more. And since we shared that vision, I mean, you know, we've been, we've been together ever since. And, and it really worked out well. And, you know, hats off to them, right? I mean, they were able to raise that equity piece mm-hmm. on the business plan that we built. And without the equity, there would be no deal. So, you know, I, I think you really got to find a good equity partner to do these things. And you got to find someone that you trust and that you want to work with. Mm-hmm. Ken doesn't do it alone. He's got a couple of guys. He's got John Hanley he works with and and Andy McKenna. These guys are, are great. Mm-hmm. Just working with them has been a real treat. Now, where does Tier 1 go from here? Are you going to be in a digest and incorporate mode? Do you want to keep growing? Do you want to keep doing acquisitions? You mentioned builds. What, what's your vision for the company? Yeah, well, the answer is yes to all the above. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I think I probably need two weeks to digest in theory. Look, I believe... <laughs> two, two weeks. I, I thought, Jesse, I thought you were going to say to two it. months. <laughs> no, no, no. I think two weeks. I... We have a business plan. Yeah. We have a we, we have a business plan. Yeah. And if I can deliver to that business plan, mm-hmm. then we should be able to continue growing. Mm-hmm. On the big format, you know, we're gonna be looking to fill in. There are we have a nice giant circle yes. map, right? Yes. We're gonna really be looking for things that are close to the circle and and for areas that are a little light inside the circle. There's going to be great opportunity for acquisition. I know that we're hungry to do more. Mm-hmm. At the same time, again, we have the money already to build. So we're going to do a lot of building, and then we're going to probably add some indoor. But we are looking for acquisitions. I think we're comfortable. Mm-hmm. I do believe that everybody involved wants to see, and I'm obviously, to your point, I'm exaggerating about two weeks. I sure, sure. Everybody's going to want to see a little progress, but... The plan we have is really a modest plan. It is not dramatically bigger than what those businesses are doing now. So we think we have a very realistic business plan here. And, you know, if we're on stride, the sky's the limit. Thanks for appearing on the show, Jesse. My pleasure, Dave. Thank you. I'm back talking with Ken Anderson, whose company, Direct Tech, a Chicago-based private investment group, provided the equity financing for Tier 1 Media. Welcome to the show, Ken. Yeah, thank you very much, Dave. Appreciate the opportunity to chat about this interesting business we're looking at uh, extending ourselves into. As an out-of-home equity investor, how do you evaluate the strengths and risks of out-of-home from an equity perspective? 
Well, we like the the industry from a number of aspects. I mean, one, in my 40-some years of being in business, which has been predominantly in capital-intensive infrastructure-type businesses, we've owned cable TV systems, telephone companies, wireless, regional fiber networks, data centers, and we're now very independent players in the, in the spectrum auctions that the FCC does, mm-hmm. but all capital-intensive infrastructure. And when I ride around someone's billboard plant, it just really comes home to me that these are essential utility-type assets hmm. that we're buying. Hmm. In the case of our Pensacola, Mobile, Montgomery deal we just did, we ended up uh, with, uh, with 20 sites, about 38 faces, And each of those sites are long-term leases or we own the ground under them. We have a perpetual permit to be there forever. Those are important structures, especially the digitals we bought, important communication structures Mm -hmm. that will always be a part of those communities. And I just get the feeling it's like when I looked at the cable wires on the streets that we owned or the or the, the twisted pair in the telephone plants, or the towers for the cellular. Hmm. Those are solid things that will always be a part of that infra- uh, that community. Mm-hmm. You get the same feeling here. Hmm. So really a permanence to the asset. Yes, right, yep. exactly, is what we like. And just the fact that outdoor is a very effective advertising medium. Mm-hmm. Advertising is an essential ingredient in most businesses, and we're able to own these important assets in an important industry. Mm-hmm. You know, probably the best ad for for the outdoor business is the fact that the, the major tech companies in the world mm-hmm. are also the, the major advertising users mm-hmm. of outdoor. So, I mean, it speaks really well. You know, it seems to people like it's old world, mm-hmm. except it's not. It's old world and the new world. Mm-hmm. Ken, how do you handle at home? It's okay, so it's cyclical. How do you how do you evaluate that risk in the in, in the yeah, mix of things? That was a, right. I mean, so this is our first deal in, in outdoor, right in the teeth of COVID. <laughs> I met our operating partner Jesse London mm-hmm. right at the outbreak. I mean, he and I probably spoke together the first time, the first week in March, right mm-hmm. as this whole thing was coming down. Mm-hmm. Gave us great pause. Hmm. Terrific pause. Mm-hmm. We right away adopted a strategy of trying to have the closing be as long from now as we could. Mm-hmm. So we would see as much many months of rebound or, or activity that we could before we actually close. Mm-hmm. And we were able to, to, to do that. But what's really interesting is while national players and big market players we're getting pummeled. I mean, I've talked to guys who are 50 to 80% off of what they were year to year last year. Yes. Local, local, as I've read a number of times in your publication, is held up well. And in our case, we actually have been in the five deals that we conglomerated together and rolled up into this tier one media acquisition. Mm-hmm. We actually are a few points up year to year. Wow. From 19 to 20. Remarkable. So our local stuff has really held well in these markets. And I read it in, in Billboard Insider that mm-hmm. it's held up well in other markets, too. So, What made you want to do business with Jesse? Well, if you 
and I know you have, but mm-hmm. if anybody who hasn't talked to Jesse, he's the kind of personality that you just know is very capable. He comes off very knowledgeable, very personable, and you just think, huh, you know, this this could be interesting. Mm-hmm. And then it's really held up well over the the many, many hundreds, thousands of hours that we've spoken um, mm-hmm. about this deal. He's a very solid guy with really good business savvy beyond just the billboard business. This was his first time to ever go through an acquisition, yet he knew just instinctively all of the kinds of things that were important to us, length of lease, you know, you name the elements of, of outdoor that are important economic elements. Mm-hmm. And, and Jesse just had a good sense for that. Obviously, the reason we are very excited about being in with him is because of his 30-year experience, 30 years of experience of successfully selling outdoor for some of the biggest companies in the country. And if I were to say, as I have said, Jesse, you should what you're doing with us, where he wanted to finally get out of the corporate cocoon and go be his own boss and own his own billboard plant, he should have done this 15, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And so that would be his only regret in, in doing this. And, and Jesse's in his mid-50s, so he's still mm-hmm. got a lot of, lot of years yet to build this up. And we look forward to a long relationship with him. What sort of due diligence did you do when you looked at his transaction? Well, we, I mean, to the seller's chagrin, I mean, we <laughs> we asked for every little piece of thing that you could imagine. Going back, you know, we looked at, you know, three years worth of tax returns. We looked at three years worth of sales results by customer. I mean, just, you know, there, there, there's no end to the amount of nitty gritty information, bits of information that that make up a transaction like this. And in our case, where we have real estate basically in 20 different locations mm-hmm. in two states, in two states and in multiple counties and in all these jurisdictional things, there really is a lot to getting one of these businesses bought. And when we drove, believe me, we drove uh, our sellers pretty crazy with consistently asking them for more stuff, mm-hmm. which fortunately they were kind enough to give us, but it was a, a pretty exhausting experience. Did you visit markets? Yeah, 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 for sure. And uh, no, that's an important element. I mean, that's been true from the first cable TV system I drove through in in 1980. There's no no substitute for for being there and, and, and understanding the dynamics of it. In the case of outdoor, you know, seeing the exact location and seeing how this street or this highway intersects with that and mm-hmm. and just seeing the number of businesses around and, and I mean you just can't substitute for that you just have to do that and now Jesse himself of course has been there multiple times mm-hmm. you know I, I went down for a broad overview with my partners mm-hmm. it's, it's an essential part of the process it's so location-based that you I don't know how yeah. you can get a sense of an opportunity unless you're driving sort of intuitively picking up are businesses in this market boarded up? Are people coming back from COVID? How's the pulse of traffic? Yeah, you just, to me, yeah, you have to be there. Totally correct. Ken, what mistakes do people make? I get a sense the equity providers are constantly seeing a stream 
of uh, funding opportunities. What common mistakes do out-of-home entrepreneurs make when they approach you for equity funding? Not having enough respect for the price that we have to pay. Mm-hmm. There is no bigger error that you can make than by overpaying. And mm-hmm. I know that from painful, from painful experience. So you have to be really careful on the price you're paying. I think a lot of entrepreneurs that we deal with come to us with the, the, the importance of that not being understood properly. And so we try to pound that home. That, that's the key essential. All of these deals are difficult. Everything that in business is difficult. There's no certainty of anything. There's always, no matter what industry you're in, mm-hmm. telecom to tech to, to outdoor advertising sales to broadcasting, da 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 da. There's somebody out there trying to do what you're doing. They're trying to do it cheaper and better. Mm-hmm. And so going forward is a difficult thing. But if you're going forward from a situation where you've <laughs> overpaid initially for the asset, yeah, you know, you really got you know one arm tied behind your back. So there's it, no nothing more important than than price. Yes. Now price can help. Price can get ameliorated by a couple of interesting things. One, if you could get well, we had to pay a high price, but we got favorable terms from the from the seller. Mm-hmm. We were able to pay the seller over time, and he was happy because he got to pay his taxes over time. We were able to do it that way, but lowering our costs of capital because we didn't need as much expensive equity in the deal mm-hmm. or bank debt or whatever. Mm-hmm. So there's ways that way to ameliorate the price. Mm-hmm. Number two is to have a really good low-priced upside. So, for instance, in our case, in in the Pensacola area here, we were able to, and a very key thing, we paid a good price, mm-hmm. full market price for the assets we bought. But the reason we were able to, to do that is we got almost an, another 50% of what we're going to eventually own mm-hmm. We're getting at a much cheaper price. So hmm. we own, we we picked up about 20 permits mm-hmm. and and fully developed permits with easements and what have you mm-hmm. to develop this property. So in the case of what we paid per sign, we paid about $450,000 per sign, which mm-hmm. equates to about $225,000 per face. Mm-hmm. However... However, we got enough new permits that we can double the size of the company, mm-hmm. but our CapEx to double the size of the company is going to only be about $75,000 per face. So you average the, the cost down. Now we're into this 40 sign deal mm-hmm. in a couple of years where our average price going in was only 150000 a sign because of this cost capital expenditure, if you will, mm-hmm. averaging down. So that really made that that was the, the difference in us. And while we 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 held our nose and paid the exorbitant price that that we paid to a couple of our sellers, mm-hmm. it was because it gave us that opportunity to be able to really have that be an inexpensive price down the line. And, and to be able to do that, by the way, I, I don't want to also minimize the importance of the dynamic market. I mean, these are growth areas. Montgomery's a state capital capital of Alabama, that's not going away. The Gulf Coast of Florida is not ever going to be anything but the Gulf Coast of Florida. 
and people are going to want to continue come there for vacations, etc. Mm-hmm. And Mo- Mobile, Alabama, is one of the major ports in the United States. So none of that is going to change, no matter what. So we bought ma- markets that are very solid and will continue to grow. And we bought it with a really knowledgeable industry veteran who is going to be our quarterback in this and is excited to be his own boss. Terrific. You have some investments in indoor advertising. How How's that sector coping with COVID, and how do you see that sector coming back? Well, we we again, because that industry is local, local, local. Mm-hmm. There's, there's really right now we're trying hard to make it with our excess inventory be national, but still it exists purely because of local advertisers. So we originally got involved uh, with a company that does exclusive dealerships. It's a company called Encompass Television mm-hmm. and NC- NCTV out of Denver, Colorado, and with very strong foresighted management. They now are in close to 100 markets where they have exclusive dealerships. What's the business model, Ken? Ken what do they do? So what they do is they basically turnkey for an entrepreneur propping him up into being in the indoor hmm. billboard business. Hmm. So someone like the typical guy might be, say, an ex-newspaper space salesman or a current newspaper say, space salesman who's who's seeing some problems, obviously, with that industry, mm-hmm. but still knows how to call on local advertisers. Mm-hmm. So he purchases a dealership for his territory, and he has exclusive rights to the Encompass software. Mm-hmm. And that Encompass software is really a robust, flexible kind of facilitates the ease of this guy providing this type of service to advertisers. So what this fellow would do is he would start knocking on doors and, and, and setting up his host. So he'd go to a location that has a lot of foot traffic and stuff, mm-hmm. and he'd try to get the owner of that business to agree to put one of his monitors in that location with the idea that the cost of that to the host is going to be dramatically reduced because he's going to get 10 or 20 other screens in his neighborhood that will be able to play ads for that guy's business. So once the network gets set up, in probably 20 screens in a neighborhood mm-hmm. is, is a number. Now, we have situations where we own, and we also own dealerships and have an interest in the parent company as well. But but we have instances where we have 125 screens in a market, mm-hmm. and we do those in zones. So someone can buy like Metro Des Moines, for instance, mm-hmm. be on 125 screens, or they could buy 20 screens right around their their business. And it really gives a real local flavor to the advertising. Number two, we can do because what these facilities are simply a, a flat screen TV that has our media player mm-hmm. on the back of it plugged into the internet. So that gives us the flexibility. So that's how all the ads get played and yeah. how all that stuff works. But also gives us the ability, which we do, to provide local news content on those screens. So these things become more than just simply advertising boards. They become a communications medium. And so in that town in the suburban Des Moines, you know, we can run a sports score the girls' basketball team beats the neighboring town, you know, mm-hmm. 91 to 80, mm-hmm. and some local, specific local things that make it a little more of an interesting experience for the person in the store 
and also for why the store would like to have a screen like that. So we really have a very high rate of hosts saying, yes, we'll let you put a screen in our location because they see uh, some benefits to themselves. So we have a good percentage Mm -hmm. of people who said yes to doing that. Right now, we're at about 2,000 screens around the country in, Mm -hmm. in about 100 markets. And, and growing, and we hope someday to, to, to be in 200 markets and have 10,000 screens. Wow. And at some point along the way, we hope that that becomes a interesting medium for national advertisers to be able to do very mm-hmm. inexpensively and get some more eyeballs. So what we're doing back in Pensacola, and so that's how we got into the outdoor space because mm-hmm. of our investments over the last three years in the indoor. Mm-hmm. And so Jesse is very strong with us that indoor can be a wonderful complement to an outdoor business. Mm-hmm. It's not competitive to that. It's not a separate business. It's a complementary business. Yes. So in the case of Pensacola, where we have various signs around, there's blank areas where we don't have signs. So by putting in inexpensive indoor in those areas mm-hmm. to maybe able to augment some holes in the market in addition to picture a billboard at an intersection and the businesses around there might likely be destinations for the cars that are driving by that sign. And so to have the reinforcement of an ad inside a store that the guy now has recently seen outside, we think has some merit as well. I think your product is a great opportunity for, you know, there are still many communities which ban billboards completely. Um, I remember. Totally. No, so you get that element. That's the only way maybe that you can reach consumers outside the home on a screen is via a concept like that. So That's uh, that's correct. And, And the technology has worked dramatically in favor of that industry. I mean, it wasn't very many years ago that, that a 55-inch flat-screen TV cost $2,500. Mm-hmm. Now you can buy that set for under $300. The media players from Microsoft used to cost $2,500. Now our little Raspberry Pi unit that has hugely more capability <laughs> and is the size of a pack of cigarettes now, yeah. we, can, you, we can get for $200. So, you know, let alone the whole yeah. advent of the Internet to be able to plug these things into. Yeah. So um, uh, that's really working in our favor in the indoor business, too. Terrific. That's all for this week. Uh, thanks for appearing on the show, Ken. We like it. Really enjoy your publication. Look forward to seeing you daily. Thank you. This podcast was edited by Lucas Jones and sponsored by Adomni. Adomni, increase your revenue today by listing your digital billboard on Adomni. You can listen to episodes of the Billboard Insider podcast by visiting billboardinsider.com or by subscribing to the Billboard Insider podcast on iTunes or any of the usual podcast outlets. Our email is billboardinsider at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. I'll be back in a couple weeks.